All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. What's up? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. John Scott here. Tim Wurstberger's here too. He's graced us with his appearance. We're very lucky to have him. Tim, how are you? Thank you for joining the show today. Hey, John. Long time listener, first time caller calling in from Hanson, Massachusetts. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It was a nice, well, it's kind of not over the weekend because it's a long weekend. It's Monday, July 4th is tomorrow. I'm at work today because I don't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. You're back from Boston, I think. Are you back yet, Tim? No, I'm still in Boston. I just said it, if you were listening. And you said New Ham- Hamster? Hanson, Hanson, Massachusetts. My there you go. So I was listening, but I just don't, I don't know where that is. But anyways, July 4th is tomorrow. July 1st was two days ago. The biggest day. In my opinion, for a hockey player, I've lived through it. I was actually just chatting with my wife July 1st morning of. I'm like, man, I don't miss this because it was the most nerve wracking day for me every single year. My longest contract was two years. I think I did one of those with Buffalo, two years, 800 grand or something. Or maybe I had another one with Chicago. I can't recall. There was many years where I went into July 1st not knowing what was going to happen. And I was a nervous wreck. I can't imagine what these players went through. It's not fun, but a lot of guys got a lot of good deals and a lot of guys didn't get the money they were looking for, Tim. It was a very strange free agency period where thanks to the the relatively minuscule salary cap increase of $1 million, teams were a little tight with their pocketbooks. Teams weren't going out and blowing money on everybody and just kind of seeing what happens after the fact. It was a very conservative July 1st, if I've ever seen one. The biggest contract, I believe, going to Orlov with the Carolina Hurricanes getting 7.75, but only for two years. You weren't really seeing the big splashy contracts, seven years, $80 million, those types of deals. It was a conservative deadline. I think the longest term went to the New York Islanders who re-signed everybody for 10 years each. It was a very strange deadline. What did you think? I know you're upset, and we're going to touch on the Bruins in a little bit because they did not, they didn't have a great free agency period, Tim. They knew going into it, it was going to be tough. But overall, what did you think of uh, July 1st? Yeah, as a Bruins fan, all things considered, I'm, I'm, I'm moderately, moderately pleased. I mean, what? We, we went all in last year, and everyone was happy about that. 
We knew that we gave away first round picks. We knew we went over the salary cap. We knew that hit the bill was due. So it, that's the cost of doing business. So all things considered, knowing that you didn't have much salary room, knowing that it's not a great free agency class, knowing that you probably have a, a bit of a bridge year coming in. You bring in so far four NHL players for a combined $5 million, including a fan favorite in, in Lucic. I think it's fine. I, I, there's nothing here that ex- excites me, but I'm not bummed because I wasn't, I didn't have high expectations going into it. So I'm, I'm fine with it. It doesn't sting you a little bit to see Bertuzzi leave for five and a half for one year. That doesn't bother you, especially the comments that his agent made that there just wasn't many, any money in the market. You don't think Don Sweeney could have done something to get this guy to stick around because Tyler Bertuzzi said, I want term. I don't really care about number. I, I want term. Give me five, six, seven years on a contender. Why couldn't the Bruins make that work? Well, a lot of reasons. And, and I saw a report that he was offered by, by uh, Sweeney and co four years at 5 million per. And so that way you get, the um, you bring in him and you bring in someone like JVR for the total cost of letting Taylor Hall go. That's $6 million what he was making. And so you can kind of even out and say, Hey, we bring in a younger player, um, a big power forward like Bertuzzi, and then another cheap veteran forward option for the same amount of money. <clears throat> and then Bertuzzi, he, I get kind of nervous about this too, because people are talking comparing him even to Lucic when they let him go seven, eight years ago. Do you really want to be investing in a 28 year old power forward at, in a lot of seven, eight years, they, they don't age that well. Right. And so three, four, five years down the road, he's going to be, I don't, I hope he's not, but he might not be very good anymore. And so, um, or even healthy or whatever. So I'm okay with not, with not signing him long-term. I wish we could have signed him for one year and we can talk about um, why he went to Toronto. But I think that one of my main theories is that like, okay, he didn't see the term that he wanted. He didn't see the, the value that he wanted for average um, annual revenue. So he's like, okay, I'm going to bet on myself. I'll go one year to a really good team. Is there a better team to to bet on yourself and to get uh, a maximum impact year than the Maple Leafs? You're going to play the entire season either on a Matthews line or a Tavares line. He's going to have the best year of his career, probably. You probably get 80 plus points. And then you go make your payday next year when is a, a, a better market for you. So that's what I'm thinking he's doing. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. You know, he he's hoping for the best and kicking the can down the road, but if you get a chance to take Michael Bunting's spot and play left wing with Matthews and Marner, you do it. Like he's spent his career in Detroit where he's playing with good players, you know, Larkins and Athanasiu and these types of players. You're playing with superstars now. So he will eclipse a 30 goal mark. He will get close to 80 points, all career highs for him. And he will bring that sandpaper type player even more so than a Michael Bunting. His offensive upside Bertuzzi, it ebbs and flows. Some years he kills it. Other years he can't crack 10 goals, even, even if he wanted to. But he had a great playoffs with the Boston Bruins. I think he had five goals, five assists in their first round series versus the Florida Panthers. He was arguably their best player. He was the most clutch. He was the guy who was consistent. It, it It's strange to me that that didn't translate into a long-term deal. People salivate over this type of player. GMs try to find this guy. He is a poor man's Matthew Kachuk. He goes into the corners. He mucks it up after the whistle. He's not scared to go into the hard places. He scores goals. His offensive upside isn't high as Kachuk, obviously, but it's darn near close. And if you can put him with some good players, he'll have Kachuk type type numbers this year. So he's he's in for a big payday next year. This is a smart move by Tyler Bertuzzi. 
Yeah, the radio station this morning was just ripping the Bruins apart. Basically, like, okay, you had you you thought you couldn't keep up with uh, Bertuzzi, what he wanted, so you moved on from him, let him go to the market, and then you had to sign Lucic and JVR and Shattenkirk and all these veterans to small deals, good deals probably on their own. But all of a sudden, the market comes back around on Bertuzzi, and he's a lot a lot less expensive than he was even six hours prior. And you didn't wait, and now you don't. Now you can't afford him. And so there's always that like Monday morning quarterback or whatever. But I'm okay with the moves they did. I'm okay with letting Bertuzzi go. It does sting, especially you lose both Hall and Bertuzzi. Those are big parts of your top six or top nine, depending on how the lines go. Probably top six this year. It sucks. What can you do? Next year is going to be the year for the for the Bruins. Yeah, the Bruins will be fine. They'll make the playoffs. They still have a good team with Pasternak and Marshawn and Coyle and Zaka and Nebraska. Like they have serviceable players. Their defense is strong with Linhol, McAvoy, Carlo, and Grizzly. Like that's their strength. But yeah, it does sting. But just to defend Don Sweeney a little bit, you don't want to be the bell at the ball who's sitting there waiting for his waiting for her suitor. You know, another one will come along. It'll be fine. And then you look at the available options and it's just duds. There's no one else to dance with. So you're left with just schmucks. So he he's there's no way he's thinking that Tyler Bertuzzi is going to hit the open market and all of a sudden his value is going to drop and he's going to come around again in six hours, like you said, for a cheaper amount. Bertuzzi turned down the five, five million over four years, thinking that he was going to go to market and get six and a half, seven million dollar offers for five, six years. That's what I was going to think. I'm sure his agent was telling him the same thing. When that didn't come to fruition, he comes back and he's like, oh boy, like, what are we doing now? And you had to pivot. So Don Sweeney, you can't fault him. For the people in Boston, He he's playing the cards he's dealt with. Like you said, he went all in. You have to. You're the best team in the regular season in NHL history. You trade everything you have to win that Stanley Cup. Didn't work out. Now this is what you're saddled with. I don't mind his signings. Like the, That's all they could do. JVR is a good player. Yes, he's 34 and he's had some tough years the last few years. You don't think he's going to be motivated? Going to Boston, getting a chance to play with Pasta or Marshawn or those types of players, he's going to be jacked up. He's been playing a dumpy market for the last three, four years and just been getting dumped on by the fans, by the GM, by his owner. This guy's going to have a good year. I fully expect JVR to come back and hit 25 goals this year. He's still a hell of a player, Tim. He really is. When you look at the last few years, don't forget, he got 24 24 goals two years ago. The guy can put the puck in the net. Can we bring him back on the show? He was on the show? (laughs) <laughs> was he what an impact he made on you huh must yeah, have not been a good on. interview he came on he wasn't very interesting but we're not we're not going to have him on we're going to get another guy from the bruins later this week milan lucic we were supposed to get him today but we got our you know somebody he, he went on and had a couple couple beers last night i'm celebrating a little bit so he canceled we're going to get him later on in the week i want to get his take on going back to boston maybe reinvigorating his career with the bruins but yeah i don't like i said they only had a few million to spend. There's still some players they have to deal with. Trent Frederick, they got to figure out the goaltending situation. Tim, what are we going to do with Allmark? What are we going to do with Swayman? How is that situation going to rectify itself? Are they going to get rid of Linus Allmark? There's been some rumors swirling that he's going to be traded. Not anymore. Who knows? What is Swayman going to want? He had a good year last year. He's going to want a little bit of a pay increase. There's a lot of unknowns for Boston still. They have a lot of holes in their in their roster. So uh, I don't think Don Sweeney is done yet. Anything else on the Bruins, Tim, you want to touch on before we move on? I could talk for an hour on the Bruins. So no, I'll leave it open. I'm sure the fans want to hear some other teams too. Out of the four, who is their best signing? Shattenkirk, JVR, Lucic, and Morgan Gecki. Uh, Geeky. Um, 
Good question. I'll say Shattenkirk, just defenseman. You know, he's, he's a defenseman. Over- you're right. You're yeah. you're top notch analytics right now. We're on fire. <laughs> he's an upgrade over Connor Clifton. Still super cheap. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I love Lucic too. People are pretty critical of him. They don't think they don't expect much. I think he can't skate, can't score, or whatever. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be good too. I like all the signings. He knows his role now. He's a fourth line guy who's going to put in 12, 15 points a year getting like seven to 10 fights. That's his role. He's not going to play every game, but Chad and Kirk, I don't know. He, he's not the power play specialist. The Bruins need. He's a defenseman though, John. He is. They have McAvoy. They have Lindholm. Those guys are going to run the power play. They got Grizzlick too. So I wonder I if Chad Kirk's going to, if he's going to get a shot in the power play. McAvoy's not a very good power play guy. He never has been. Stop. He's, Stop. He, Lindholm's getting PP one. I don't know if McAvoy's, that's why that's why we when we brought up Krug a few weeks ago. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about You think that. a nine and a half million dollar a year player isn't going to be on the power play if you're a defenseman? I'm just saying he hasn't been very good at it. It's like the one knock on his game and the reason he doesn't put up more points. Even strength is pretty good with points, as good as some of the other guys, but he doesn't put up thirty power play points a year like Adam Fox does, and that's why he doesn't get the Norris nominees. All right, moving on. Interconference rival, interdivision rival, Toronto Maple Leafs, making a big splash. This free agency period going into it, very busy. Obviously, the huge question mark surrounding this team is what's going to happen next year? What's going to happen with the core four? We know Tavares isn't really going anywhere because no one's going to touch that contract, 11 million per. The other three are going to be UFAs, excuse me, the other two. And then there's Mitch Marner, who's two years out from now. All four of them could potentially be off this team in two years. So that's what everyone's talking about. What is new GM Brad Trevelyan go and do? He goes out and absolutely smokes the free agency period, nails it, much like Kyle Dubas did in years past. But when I say he smoked it and nailed it, he checked every single box that the Leafs had in my eyes. No depth, no toughness, help on the back end. Check, check, check. He honestly nailed it. You have a little just sick to your stomach smirk on your face. I don't know what that's for. In my eyes... Brad Trevealing, much like he did in Calgary, mind you, it kind of blew up in his face in Calgary for as good as a free agency period he had last year, turning Kachuk into the magical gift that he did, getting Nazim Kadri coming away with like the best defense the NHL had ever seen. Obviously, it didn't work out last year for the Flames. He brings in an enforcer, which I think Toronto needs. He brings in a, a good 3-4 defenseman in Klingberg. He brings in arguably the best free agent on the market at a very good price in Tyler Bertuzzi. And then he brings in a hometown hero whose dad was the cock of the walk when he was in Toronto, Max Domi. All for good contracts. The only one that's questionable could be Ryan Reeves, and we'll talk to him in a little bit. We're going to get him on the show this week or whoever. He's slated to call in, but I love all these deals. Three one-year deals with Klingberg, Bertuzzi, and Domi, and one three-year deal, which still has... I texted Ryan Reeves as soon as he signed this contract. I'm like, do you have something on these GMs that they keep signing you? You're 36 years old. You're well past your prime. And he's like, buds, I don't know. They keep offering money. I got to sign the contract. I was like, (laughs) must be nice. You know what I mean? But tell me that Toronto didn't ace this free agency period, Tim. I like all these signings. They're all for good terms, good good money. My question for you, are they a better team than they were last year? Yeah, I do. I, I think so. Why do you think that? Well, uh, Klingberg, John Klingberg on the back end. This guy is a very, very, very good defenseman. And then you had two forwards. Who do they lose up front? They lose Ryan Michael O'Reilly. Buckley. 
in Ryan O'Reilly. You bring yep. in a Tyler Bertuzzi, who is younger, probably more motivated than Ryan O'Reilly was. And you bring in a Max Domi, who can slot anywhere in the lineup. So I think they are a better team. Yes. You're also losing Kerfoot, Engvall, Sandine, you've traded. I mean, Achari, not a huge deal. Eric Gustafson. The problem is, I don't think they, I don't know how much they, I mean, I like Bertuzzi a lot. I think he's the best, he's the best signing of the bunch. Domi's a good depth forward. Klingberg's an offensive specialist defenseman. Is that what they needed? Like, yeah, I th- I think up front it's a lateral move. I think Bertuzzi and O'Reilly. Yes, O'Reilly's better in the face-off circle. He's more responsible defensively. I think Bertuzzi has a little more jam in his game. And then Domi and Kerfoot, they're kind of a lateral move as well. Klingberg makes their defense better. He does. There's no doubt about it, Tim. Defensively, though, why not? You lose. Him, like- you lose Hall, who was a turnstile. The guy sucked in the playoffs. Every time he was on the ice, he was eating just dashes. And you bring in John Klingberg. The guy's 30 years old. He's going to put up 30, 40, 50 points. He, he's better. He's better than Justin Hall. I don't know how this sure. is an even argument. The guy is, a, is an all-star. <laughs> I didn't even bring up Hall. I don't know why you're yelling at me about Justin Hall. Because he's out. Klingberg's in. He makes this defense way better. Way better. Defensively, though? Yes, he's fine. He, Klingberg's an offensive specialist. He is, but what? you, you can't score on me if I got the puck. Yeah, but this is this has been the knock on them. It's like is okay, Reeves. I think Reeves makes him tougher. I am pro enforcer. I know there's a debate about the roles even in today's game. He will make him tougher. And I and I saw I read a lot of online about this. And like Matthews and Marner are among the the superstars in the league who don't stand up for themselves the way that Stamkos will, or even Kucherov, or McKinnon, or even the Crosby's and Bergeron's and Marshawn. Like they they'll all fight back in a way that that Marner and and uh, Matthews won't. So Reeves adds a lot of toughness. And just like you, Reeves doesn't fight a lot. He's 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 a, a sheriff, right? He's a, he's a um, he prevents fights. He prevents guys from taking liberties on his guys, and he'll answer and all that stuff. I, I agree with all that, but John, the the knock on them has always been goaltending and defense. They haven't addressed either of those. So you, you're going to score more goals than you did. You lose Ryan O'Reilly, and I want to talk about him for a minute too, because Ryan O'Reilly. Someone fact checked me on this, but he's from Ontario. I think he grew up a Leafs fan. He's been wanting to go there forever. He finally gets a shot. They win a playoff round, and then he doesn't want to come back. Had no intention of signing there. Do you read into that at all? Like, what did he not believe in it? It was something in the in the locker room he didn't like. Did he not he was reading the tea leaves? Like, why wouldn't he want to come back? Yeah, that's concerning because apparently the Leafs offered him the same deal that he got in Nashville. So for whatever reason, he went to Toronto, and it wasn't wasn't what he thought it was going to be. So I don't know if he didn't gel with the players. That's my initial reaction is it's a younger locker room. It's a different culture than he had in St. Louis. They're just different guys, you know, from one generation to the next. Austin Matthews is concerned about his fashion. He's really concerned about how everybody portrays him. It's the truth. You can sit there and smirk. They're different. You're right. I was reading some of they're uh, they're different cats. So I I think that has a big play in it where he just maybe didn't gel with the guys like he thought he was going to. Um, I was reading some of Reeves' interview. We should we should ask him about this too. He said like he's really uh, it's important to him to be part of the locker room, the culture, and be driving things off the ice and camaraderie and all that. And he said what he heard was that the Leafs' locker room is pretty quiet. And all the all the best teams he was on was like the guys hang out. There's no clicks, no politics, and he wants to like bring some of that to Toronto. So I wonder what his impression will be after he spends some time in the, in the room with those guys and if he sees some of the same things that other players have seen. He's gonna do a silly starting lineup stuff. <laughs> I didn't, I never liked that stuff. I remember I went to the Rangers and they gave me the lineup card and I'm like, okay, your turn. And I just read the names 
<laughs> yeah. I'm like uh, Gabrick. Dubinsky, Gabrick, um, Callahan, and then we got Stalin, Girardi, and Lundqvist. And they're like, no, no, you gotta like you gotta Matthews, put some life going. into it. Oh, I know. Honor, you're like, going. Why? Oh. Do you do you need me to scream in your face to get going? Like, is that what we're doing here? Like, just get yourself ready. I, I always thought it was kind of pathetic, but okay. Revo likes it and he loves it. Whatever keeps you in the game. Listen, he's getting 1.35 from Toronto for three years. It's crazy. All right, moving on. Another team in the Eastern Conference who had a great free agency period and who is a, just a solid team. Obviously had some issues last year with injuries, with Shrechnikov, with Pacioretty. Didn't really work out in the playoffs like we've seen. The Carolina Hurricanes, Tim, are back. And they're back in a big way. They went out. They got a little grittier. And Dimitri Olaroff, your your Bruins stalwart that they brought in and played great in the playoffs, too. The one thing the Bruins did, everybody they brought in played fantastic. They really, really, really did. They weren't allowed. They couldn't keep anybody. But it was fun to watch them for that month that they were with the Bruins. Orlov goes to Carolina. Bunting from Toronto goes to Carolina. Everybody's staying out east. They re-signed both of their goaltenders, who are both UFAs. Very strange to me, but I like it. I like Antiranta, and everybody knows how much I love Freddie Anderson. The guy's an absolute stud. What did you think about Carolina's free agency period? Did they check all their boxes? Everybody knows they're lacking in goal scoring. Did they answer that? No, they haven't answered that. Um, I think you're hoping for a healthy Svechnikov to be that guy. You lose Pacioretty. He signed with Washington. I like the bunting signing. It'll be interesting to see like what he looks like without Matthews, right? Is, is he... Is it a the Brinkett type situation where he was totally elevated, or can he can he produce on a line and can he be is is Aho enough for him or or Jesper Fast or whoever he ends up on a line with? And then Orlov, my first reaction was like he signed for way more money than John said. I was right. He's he was basically the biggest defenseman signing on the on the free agency on the market. And two seven point seven five. It's a lot of it's a lot of money. I think you said he would be closer to five or six. Yeah. So I don't want to say I'm always right, but I was right this time. You're definitely not always right, but he did get overpaid. That's a lot of money for this guy. 7.75 on a team that already has like stud defensemen. You got Brady Shea, you got Jacob Slavin, you got Brent Burns, you got Brett Pesci. You have solid defensemen. Like your top four is set. Where does Orlov slot in? Does he slot in with 5-6 with Chatfield? Do you bump somebody up front? Do you get rid of Burns Slavin? They've been... Very good pairing. Do you break up Shea and Pesci? I don't know where he slots in on this lineup, but everybody knows Rod Brindamore. He just hammers defense. That's how you're going to win championships. He preaches it. He teaches it. And he just puts it puts it out there on the ice. This guy loves playing defense from the back end out. And why not go and get the best defensive guy in the market? I, I just 7.75 for a guy who's going to put up 30 points. Maybe it's a lot of money, Tim. That's a lot of money. Let me ask you this, and I'm going to go back to the Leafs for a second. You know, we talk about like them needing a defensive defenseman. What if they if they look for that solution in house? They bring in Klingberg to be an offensive defenseman to free up Morgan Riley to play a more well rounded role, less pressure on him to produce points. You think Riley has it in him to be a one A do everything defenseman? He kind of does it already, but can he step up on the defensive side of the ice and not worry about points and leave that to a Klingberg? Is that you think that's part of the plan? No, Morgan Riley is a 1A D-man. I don't know why you're dogging him. They've been missing that forever. But he's the 1A. He's the guy. He's why, are you, guy. why are we going back to Toronto? Let's move I'm on. Thinking... Stop living in the past, Tim. Okay. Let, let's right. move on. Morgan Riley makes $7.5 million. 
He is an all-star defenseman. He's you can lock him in for 50 to 70 points pretty much every single season. Can he like, shut down other teams' top lines? I, does every other 1A defenseman shut down other teams' top lines? No, I'm saying they're, they're my, going out there and letting her rip, Tater Chip. You think Kale okay. McCarr is worried about shutting down other teams' top lines? Kale McCarr has Devin Tays. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, if okay, if you're letting, okay, it doesn't matter. Well, let's move on. I know. What are we doing here? We're rehashing the Leafs. We got to move on. Nobody cares about Leafs. This isn't a Leafs podcast. Let's talk more about Lucic and Morgan Geeky. No, moving on. The Pittsburgh Penguins. They made some moves too. They went out, they got jerkbag Lars Eller, who nobody <laughs> likes in this po- on this podcast. Nobody. Do you like I, him? I don't have judgment of him. I have not met him. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Can't stand him. If he was in front of me, I'd probably shake his hand. I don't like him. All right. They get friend of the show, Nadelkovich. They get friend of the show, Graves. And they re-sign Tristan Yari to a five-year, $5.375 million contract. That is a lot of money for Tristan Yari. What did you think of the Penguins? Go. Yeah, well, obviously, um, what's his name? Still thinks that the window is open. Who's what's his name? The Kyle GM. Dubas, the new GM yeah, of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I couldn't remember. You're nailing um, it today, Tim. You're okay. nailing it. He says <laughs> he's a GM, John. Um, <laughs> he obviously thinks the window is still there, and so you sign an Eller to be a, a depth center. You sign Najelkovic to hopefully challenge the net a little bit for Jari. But Jari was a little bit of a head scratcher, but at the same time, like there's probably I wouldn't say there's, there's no one better on the market, but wouldn't you rather go get a Gibson than in Tristan Jari? Or wouldn't you rather go get a Hellebuck than a Tristan Jari? I don't know if they have the cap room for that, but I feel like those guys would have taken that or similar money and given you something more than Tristan Jari did. I don't know if he tried the, the trade market and didn't like what he, they, they were asking for or what. But Jari is a very all-or-nothing goalie. He's going to let in five and three high-glove saves, or he's going to give you one or a shutout. <laughs> just you just know? shoot high-gloves on him, yeah. yeah. Um, overall, I think it's good. I like Ryan Graves getting a payday. Six years for him. That's a lot. It's good, good for him. Yeah, I uh, doesn't again. Much like Toronto, doesn't make him a better team. Ryan Graves, I think, is the is the big addition. He's a good defenseman. Yeah. He he's a big body out there. He'll play some good minutes. He'll be good on the kill. Like a is Pittsburgh a legitimate Stanley Cup threat at this point? Do they have enough in the tank, the top guys, to make another run at it? Jeff Carter's thirty eight. You're bringing Lars Eller, who's 34. You got Crosby and Malkin, who are 36 and 35. On the back end, you got Latang, who's 36. That's not young. Jeff Petrie's 35. You know, hockey is 30. That that's the cutoff. I know it's getting a little bit older with training and nutrition and this and that. But do you think they honestly, Tim, are Stanley Cup contenders at this point? No, no. Then, they then what are we doing? You. They could surprise you, though. If if Crosby and Malkin bring you something close to what they could do a couple of years ago, I mean Crosby had what? How many points did he have this year? Didn't he? Wasn't he in the nineties? Yeah, he um, played great. He had another great season. That's fine, but I just don't see they didn't make the playoffs. If Gensel's a forty goal guy for you again, if Brian Russ is a thirty goal guy for you again, and then all of a sudden you are contending near near or at the top of your division, and then you add something at the trade deadline, you got something to play for. I think that's if just, my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. Um, <laughs> It, you know, it's one of those things where I get what Kyle Dubas is doing. He He's not selling the farm, but you're putting, you know, a lot of term into Graves and Yari. This team is on the decline. 
So do you really want to be saddled with the Tristan Yari for five years when he's a good goalie, but he has some very, very big holes in his game and he's 28. So this is, he's going to be 33, 34 when this contract runs out. Like goaltenders don't, their shelf life isn't that good unless you're Mike Smith and the Edmonton Oilers and he has photos of the GM that he doesn't want released and he gets contract after contract. But it's, uh, I, again, this is me being, I think, more negative and practical when I should just like embrace it. Like, this is good. They're going for it. If I'm a GM, what am I doing here? Do like, I, I get it. You got the best player potentially ever to lace them up Sidney Crosby you got you're getting Malkin like first ballot hall of famers you got to squeeze the juice out of them as much as you can maybe they make the playoffs that's that's the high watermark for them this year maybe we make the playoffs and then what we go out at the deadline and we bust our first round and second rounder and then we have no prospects in the prospect pool because we want to maybe pick a put are you as good as Carolina Toronto are you as good as you know, the Devils, are you as good as these other Eastern Conference teams? No, you're not. No, you're not. But anything can happen in the playoffs. And those guys have had a lot of success before. So like I said, if you're, if you're at or near the top of your division, you add a piece or two at the deadline, all of a sudden you have something to play for. They could surprise you. What's the, what's the opposite? You you sell everyone? I mean, I, I you don't want to risk the ch- If you have any chance of Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Latang getting another cup, you, you go for it. So... I think they 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 did just enough to keep themselves a chance without like overselling or committing too much. So I, I think it's fine. No, they're locked in to competing because they they missed that boat for set, trading these guys last year when the Latang and Malkin were UFAs and they re-upped them again. So that that ship has sailed. They're locked into competing now, trying to win for the next three four years. So it is what it is. I just I didn't agree with how Hextall did things last year. I think he should have gone into a passive rebuild. Instead, he just went for it. He re-signed everybody and said, listen, we're, we're going to go for it. I think the sentimental side of them came out, Latang and Malk, and we're going to keep the group together. And and here we are. Duba stepped in, and he's kind of playing the cards that he's dealt with. You have to sign guys now. This this is your team. It is an older version of the Toronto Maple Leafs that they have right now. Their core four is not as good as you know Toronto's is, but they have rings yeah. on the finger. That's right. They got three cups to show for it, whereas Toronto has none, but... Maybe, maybe after this year, they just, again, I'm very, I'm very positive on Toronto's chances. Boston got worse. Florida, maybe, maybe Tampa's going to be worse. Carolina got a little better. The Rangers got a little better, but the Devils probably will be better with a little experience under their belt. Toronto didn't get much worse. I think they got a tad bit better. They got to wave Matt Murray. Just sign Samson off, wave Matt Murray, and just move on. What are some other notable contracts here, Tim, that, that happened? We talked about Ryan O'Reilly already. He signed with Nashville, four years, $4.5 million. Do you think, I mean, they, they've been pretty active about selling the last couple of years. They're getting rid of everybody. Why do you think you want to go there of all places? I don't know. It's, Nashville seems to be in on a lot of things. They got rid of Duchesne. They got rid of Johansson. Now, all of a sudden, they're getting O'Reilly. They're making moves. I think the big thing with Nashville and Ryan O'Reilly is a guy who I, he likes to sing. I think he's in a band. Nashville is a destination for players. It's really, really fun to play there. It's a good environment. The rink's awesome. They got good food, good nightlife. So why not go there and play? He's 32 years old. He's won a cup. He's been there, done that. You want to enjoy your last few years in the league. That's what I did. I tried to go to a place. I knew it would be warm. It'd be fun. My family would like it. That's why I went to Arizona and San Jose. Rather than going to Edmonton, no offense, Edmonton. 
Are you ready for this? Yeah. They have 11 forwards on their roster. Ryan O'Reilly is their highest paid at 4.5. Their next guy is Nyquist at 3.1. And everyone else is making less than three. Yeah. They're not going to outscore teams. That's for sure. Their strength is on the back end and between the pipes. Saros and then Roman Yossi. Those guys are going to get a lot of action. But I don't know. Going back to O'Reilly, I, I I don't know. He obviously doesn't value winning at this point in his career. But, you know, you can't put a price on happiness. And maybe he's going to just really settle down, put some roots down in Nashville, and just kind of play it out, hang out with Mike Fisher and Carrie Underwood, and just write country songs. So, but a very strange signing by Nashville. Maybe they had to get to the floor. I, I haven't tallied up their contracts yet, but... I know he'll be a good leader for those young guys. He really will. One of the good ones, Ryan O'Reilly. All right. What else? A couple other here's Oliver Ekman Larson signed in Florida one year, 2.25. I like this deal for them, right? He could, he could surprise some people. Do you think he's still got some offense left in the tank? Listen, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I'm in a, I, maybe I'm in a pessimistic space right now. <sighs> he had to sign somewhere, right? He did. But when you look at his career trajectory, it was up, going up, going up. It spiked the year I was in Arizona, 2015-16. He had 55 points. And then it's been a free fall since then. He's gone from 42 to 44 to 30 to 24 to 22 points last year, minus 24. It's not looking good. Maybe he'll get some power play points in Florida. He'll you know, jump on that power play, which is just, you know, they got some good players there, but... Well, I think one of the things Florida, too, is that Ekblad and Montour are both expected to miss the start of the season. So I think they're probably hoping that they can lean on OEL a little bit to log some heavy minutes for the first month or two. Well, they're in for a rude awakening. Especially when they with get him on the ice. Oh, man, they're going to be they're gonna, they're gonna be struggling the first couple yeah. months, if that's the case, if those two are out. Because their back end got thin in a big way because Radko Gudis is not there anymore. So, all right, what else, Tim? This is the big one. Blake Wheeler signed. I think he was probably the first or one of the very first free agents to sign. One year, New York Rangers, 800000 What do you think of this? Love it. Throw him kind of wherever he wants to go. This is a guy who's been there, done that. He's a still, still a burner. I said it when he got bought out by the Winnipeg Jets. This guy is still really, really good. I like this signing by the New York Rangers. I think they're going to keep Tarasenko in the mix still. So if you have him... Wheeler, Trocek, Zabinijad, Kreider, and Panarin. That's a dangerous top six. I've said it for years now with these guys. If the young kids can figure it out, they'll be a dangerous team. Until they figure out what to do with Kako and Lafreniere, this team won't go anywhere. You have to cut bait at some point on those guys or just invest and put one of those guys in the first line. Just say, Lafreniere, this is your year. We're going to put you with Zabinijad and Tarasenko. We got three months. Go for it. See how it works out. I don't think they've given a... those guys really a fair shot for an extended period of time. They pulled the shoot a little bit too early on them, but I know they're both RFAs. We'll see what happens with those two, but it's a good deal for Wheeler. It's a good deal for the Rangers. He has the luxury. And I said it when he got bought out, he has the luxury of knowing that he's going to get paid from the Winnipeg jets. So it's not like he has to go out and, you know, rob somebody's piggy bank. He's getting a ton of money from the jets for, for a good amount of time. So it's a good deal. I like this. The Rangers, Again, they're they're kind of slave to the cap. They don't have a ton of money to throw around, but they're they're going to be dangerous to him. They're a good team. I like the signing. One more I want to mention: Matt Duchesne signed in Dallas, one year, three million dollars. Basically, exactly what Max Domi signed for, who left Dallas. Do you think this makes their team better or worse? Well, it makes them better, obviously. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, I think Duchesne is better than Domi. Yeah, I think Dallas is is a better team 
today than it was yesterday. Yeah, I like Duchesne. Again, he's going to be motivated going from a situation in Nashville where they were just selling everybody. Everybody was gone. The team was in a rebuild mode. He was excited to leave. And you get to go to Dallas where there's no salary tax. Very similar city to Nashville. So he's going to have a good... He was a country singer too. Didn't he have a band and stuff? Yeah, he's got some albums out, I think. Maybe he should focus on hockey a little bit more. Maybe, well, Dallas is a country city too. So he, he's going to obviously bring his guitar and have some fun in Dallas. But yeah, I like the signing by Dallas. Good for them. It, not, a, not a lot of outrageous contracts. I was very no. impressed with the GMs. The one that stands out, I don't want to dump on him anymore. The Detroit Red Wings signed Justin Hall to just a terrible deal. This guy was like a liability for Toronto on the defense in the playoffs. They signed him to a three-year, $3.4 million a year contract. What? He's 31 years old. How does this happen, Stevie I? Like, what, what happened? This guy's going to get maybe 15 points, 20 points tops. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know why he got this much money. That one was a head-scratcher for me. Yeah, the Jari one was for me. But again, I, I understand it. There's still some good players left, though. Patrick Kane is on the market still, as is Taze. You got Matt Dumba, Tarasenko, Thomas Tatar, and Max Comtois among the notable free agents left. Any Anything you want to say about them? That's not a very impressive lineup. <laughs> it's it not. wasn't a couple of days ago either. This is not a great class. No, it's not. There wasn't a lot of good players. Bertuzzi was the best one, and he probably got the worst deal of the mix. So, it, like I said at the start of the show, it wasn't a very exciting free agency period. These guys kind of had no money to spend, and it showed with the contracts. The players took a lot of one-year deals, banking on themselves to kind of have a year, and maybe we can get a longer-term deal next year. So it is what it is. It's just a state of the league. There's not a lot of money in the system right now. They need the salary cap to increase. They need the COVID money to be paid off, and they need to grow the game. So until that happens, you're going to continue to see these one-year deals, the huge contracts for the RFAs coming off their entry-level contracts. That's how the business is happening right now. It stinks for a guy who's 32, 33, who's put in some time, and you want to cash in, and there's just no money to be had. It, it, it is what it is. So it was fun, though. The good teams got better. The bad teams kind of stood pat. I think the Eastern Conference, the balance of power is going to stay where it is. I don't think any of the teams that needed to make some moves made moves. Other than Pittsburgh, I guess they're the only team who was a non-playoff team who made some moves. Agreed. That's all. All right, everybody. Well, anything else, Tim? Uh, no, we covered it. We covered it. We'll talk to Reeves soon, hopefully. Yeah, we'll get Reeves. I just texted with him. He's ready to go. He had a little late start, but we'll get Ryan Reeves uh, going, and we will talk to you guys later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 